0: you get that outline there, you can turn to Matthew chapter 24, as well as Daniel chapter number 9. We're going to be in two places tonight, and uh, I will give those, we'll get started here in just a moment tonight. And so, Matthew chapter 24 is where we'll start, we'll do some reading there, and then we will jump to Daniel chapter number 9. Matthew 24 starts out in verse number 1, And Jesus went out and departed from the temple, and his disciples came to him for to show him the buildings of the temple. Now the temple they were still building, there were some things under construction right at this time when Jesus and the disciples were there. And Jesus said unto them, See ye not all these things. Verily I say unto you, There shall not be left here one stone upon another that shall not be thrown down. Now that's an interesting verse. I'm not going to give you um, complete... I'm going to give you an idea of mine tonight as we go through here. You know, they like to say that part of the wall from the temple is still there. It's where people... You have the, the weeping wall there in Jerusalem and things. But Jesus said there wouldn't be one stone left upon another. So I don't think that that personally is part of the temple. I believe that that's part of the Roman fortress that was there during that time. And I could be wrong, but I think when Jesus says that not one stone would be left, why would he leave a whole wall? And Jesus is always right on those things. So, and anyways, if you say I disagree with that, good, because it's just my opinion, and you can have your opinion, and we can agree to disagree, or whatever else. But anyway, so, verse number 3. And as he sat upon the Mount of Olives, the disciples came unto him privily, saying, Tell us, when shall these things be? And what shall be the sign of thy coming?' And of the end of the world. And Jesus answered and said to them, Take heed that no man deceive you, for many shall come in my name, saying, I am Christ, and shall deceive many. And ye shall hear of wars and rumors of wars. See that ye be not troubled, for all these things must come to pass, but the end is not yet. For nation shall rise against nation, and kingdom against kingdom, and there shall be famines, pestilences, and earthquakes in diverse places. All these are the beginning of sorrows. That's all starts at the very beginning of the... It's all part there. Revelation chapter 6, 7, and 8 covers a lot of the things that we talk about right here. And uh, it's the beginning of it. Something that you could think of. The beginning, um, you think about how as it gets close as you're delivering a baby, ladies, and you get close and the... um, the uh, contractions get closer together and there's signs that are there that, and that's the side, sort of idea that we see in these verses. Well, it says in verse number 9, then shall they deliver you up to be afflicted and shall kill you. And ye shall be hated of all nations for my name's sake. And then shall many be offended and shall betray one another and shall hate one another. And many false prophets shall rise and shall deceive many. And because iniquity shall abound, the love of many shall wax cold. But he that shall endure unto the end, the same shall be saved. And this gospel of the kingdom shall be preached in all the world for a witness unto all nations. And then shall the end come. Now I'm going to give you, I'm going to speak here for a minute and then we'll dive into a lot of other things. There are a lot of people that take this Matthew account and they do not take it in the biblical context from where it is. The book of Matthew, if we're talking about the book of Matthew, we know that Matthew wrote it, pretty obvious, right? I'm not surprising anyone there. Matthew wrote the book of Matthew, and the book of Matthew portrays Christ as the king of the Jews. The book of Matthew was written to the Jews. That's who it was written to. So, oh, so since it was written to the Jews, then it doesn't have any application in my life. Wrong. The book of Ephesians was written to the church at Ephesus but it has plenty of implications in our life. But the Jews, his disciples here, are asking him how the end is going to happen. This is a Jewish perspective on how the end plays out. People will say, and the argument, those who believe in a um, post-tribulation rapture, say that this here, when it talks about you and the suffering and all that, that's the Christian suffering during the tribulation time. That is far from the truth because that's nowhere found in the Bible. And the reason why we know that, I'm going to show you a lot of it tonight. Tonight we're going to talk about Daniel's prophecy in Daniel chapter number 9. Next week we're going to go to the rapture and then we'll go forward with things. But you've got to see why the end, how it is set up in God's eyes and why it's set up a certain way. Now we look at the very next verse, verse 14 we just read, and... And also verse 14 here, do you see how it says in this gospel, the kingdom shall be preached in all the world for a witness of all nations, and then shall the end come. Some people like to say that that's talking about the fact that we as Christians will get the gospel everywhere, and then the end comes. That is the, remember there are a bunch of Jews, 144,000, that get saved and evangelize the world? Verse 14 is talking about them. That all takes place in the first half of the tribulation, which we'll talk about later, so don't let that get too confusing on you. But look at verse 15. So all this happens before the midpoint. Look at verse 15 here, it says. It says, When ye therefore shall see the abomination of desolation, spoken of by Daniel the prophet, stand in the holy place, and whoso readeth, let him understand. Then it talks about let them which be in Judah flee. And it keeps on going through the awfulness and what's going to go on at that time. We see that Jesus pulls out the fact in verse 15 He talks about the abomination of desolation spoken of by Daniel, the prophet. So what I want you to do for tonight, we'll get back to here in the next few weeks. Tonight, I want you to go with me to Daniel chapter number 9. Daniel chapter number 9. And some of this will make good sense to you and some of it might not make great sense to you. And if it doesn't, I'll do my best to try and help it make some sense to you tonight. Basically, The title of tonight's message is this, The Backbone of Bible Prophecy. This really, in the book of Daniel, sets up how God intended and what God intends to do as everything plays out. Look down at verse number 24 of Daniel chapter number 9. We're going to run through some things tonight, and this will be good. Matthew, I mean, Daniel 9 verse 24. Seventy weeks are determined upon thy people and upon thy holy city, to finish the transgression, to make an end of sin, and to make reconciliation for iniquity, and to bring in everlasting righteousness, and to seal up the vision and prophecy, and to anoint the most holy. Know therefore and understand that from the going forth of the commandment to restore and to build Jerusalem unto the Messiah the Prince shall be seven weeks, and three score and two weeks." The street shall be built again, and the wall, even in troublous times. And after threescore and two weeks so shall the Messiah be cut off, but not for himself. And the people, the prince that shall come, shall destroy the city and the sanctuary. And the end thereof shall be with a flood. And unto the end of the war desolations are determined. Now look at verse 27. And he that he found in verse number 27 is the Antichrist. And he shall confirm the covenant with many for one week. And in the midst of the week, he shall cause the sacrifice and the oblation to cease. And for the overspring of the abominations, he shall make it desolate. Remember how it said in the book of Matthew 24, verse 15, talk about the abomination of desolation? That's what takes place right here, even until the consummation, and that determined shall be poured upon the desolate. For the next little bit of time tonight, probably 25, 30 minutes, I'm going to explain to you the backbone of Bible prophecy. Father, bless the next few minutes tonight. Help us as we're hearing your word tonight. Help me to be able to relay your message here in a way that we can understand. And we need you to do that. Sometimes I go through facts and go through certain things as I teach and as I preach. And sometimes I wonder if people get it. But if you're in it, in me, and in the listener tonight, we can get it and understand it. There are some wonderful things found in this passage of Scripture. The last little bit of time we have, may you be pleased with it. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. Number one, the first thing that we see tonight, we see a period of time. We see it found there in verse number um, 24. It says, 70 weeks are determined upon thy people and upon the holy city. So if you think of 70 weeks, how, how many days is that? It's About 490 days, correct? Around there. And... So you think 490 days, how does all of that really work out? You've got to think about it this way, and one of the things you've got to understand when you look at the Bible and in this passage of Scripture, if you look and see, when the Bible talks about one week, the word week in Hebrew means seven. Like, if we say the word dozen, what's a dozen? Twelve, correct? So, when you look and you see something here, it says 70, if we think about this, 70 weeks are determined. Well, if you look through here and you study this out, you see that there, you look down in verse number um, 26. It talks about three score and two weeks. 62 weeks, shall the Messiah be cut off in that time? And there's going to be three score and two and seven weeks. 69 weeks before the Messiah is cut off, and then you see in verse, in verse number 27 that there's one week that a covenant's going to be made. It's pretty simple to see here, and not stretching the Bible in any way, that when it talks about here the period of seven, 70 weeks, it's talking about 70 weeks of years. So there are 70 times, so you, you think about that, 70 times 7 Years, 490 years. So when you look at verse 27, it says, and see how this makes sense, it says, and he shall confirm the covenant with many for one week. One week of years, that's seven years. How long is the tribulation? Seven years. So I'm going to show you over the next little bit of time tonight how 69 weeks of years have been completed and the time stopped when the jews refuse christ to be their king and at some point their clock is going to begin again when the rapture takes place and there will be one set of 7 years left of tribulation and it is set for who look at this so we see the period of 70 weeks of years 490 years who are the people it's for he's talking to daniel here right it's for the jews God's chosen people. It says there, 70 weeks are determined upon thy people and upon the holy city. We see, and from the very beginning, God has worked through the Jewish people. Going back to Abraham, God chose Abraham. God promised to multiply his seed. It's a promise from God. And God promised to give them all the land over there in the Middle East, in that area. And guess what? They still have not gotten all that land to this day. What do you think the millennial reign of Christ and all that is for? So God can keep his promise. Because one thing we know about God, God always keeps his promise. Whatever God says, it always happens. So we see that the, there's a 490 years we see that the people are Israel, that this, that this Jacob's trouble, these things are mentioned about. And then we also see the fact, not only that, but we see what's this place that's mentioned. Verse 24, the holy, thy holy city, Jerusalem is the place. And isn't it amazing that Jerusalem, that area of the world, it's such a small spot, but it's so often mentioned on the news. There's people that are fighting over Jerusalem and it's been going on forever who cares about a stupid place in the desert but that's god's city isn't that god's city it's god's city we see the place is going to be jerusalem jerusalem a wonderful city place that god used it's mentioned over 800 times in the bible it's destroyed several times And rebuilt. God calls Jerusalem his holy hill. He calls it here the holy city. So, this is what we see. Let's break this down. We see an amount of time 490 years, 70 weeks of years. We see the people, it's the Jews, and we see the place, Jerusalem. What is the point of all this? Well, keep on reading verse 24. We see the purpose of the tribulation here. It says, first of all, to finish the transgression and make an end of sin. It's to figure out what's been wrong. So we see it's to finish the transgression and make an end of sin. Next thing is, you should, you have those on there, don't you, Ryan? I think you have those on there. You to fi- Were you taking a nap back there? No? No? He was writing it down, jumping ahead. To finish the transgression and to make an end of sin. That's one of the purposes of the tribulation. It's to figure out what has been wrong. We see this, number two. It's to make reconciliation for iniquity. So it's to finish the transgression, make an end of sin. It's also to make reconciliation for iniquity. To get things right. The third purpose of the tribulation in, or these 70 weeks of years. The third reason and the purpose of it is to bring in everlasting righteousness. It says that we're just following the verse and seeing what the verse says right here. And then look at the fourth thing. To seal up the vision and prophecy. So think about that. The 70 weeks, or, 70 weeks of years are determined to seal up the vision and prophecy. It's to bring to an end everything of this book. Because you realize today there are still things that have not happened that this book say are going to happen. You know that, right? And one of the reasons for that 70 weeks of years and as you tie all of it together and end it all is to seal this up, to finish it. To set, close the deal, God will put a period on the or a, yeah the last period on the last sentence of the last page of the last chapter of human history, and then the last thing number five, to anoint the most holy. Jesus Christ will be King of Kings and Lord of Lords. Why have these seventy weeks of years? We just went through it, and we see here to finish transgression, and to make an end of sin. Jesus had to come. The Messiah will be cut off at the 69 week of years point. He had to come. He had to die to pay for all of our sin. Next thing was to make reconciliation for our iniquity. And that's what Jesus Christ did when he died on the cross. Jesus will usher in at his second coming. He'll bring in everlasting righteousness all the prophecies of the book of the Bible will be finished. And then it's to anoint the most holy and to make Jesus Christ King of kings and Lord of lords. That's why these 70 weeks have been determined. Does that make sense? Alright, you're with me. Okay. Now, let's look again here and we'll see what the Bible says. We see now, we've talked about... um, the purpose of it, let's talk about the timeline or the program, the prophecy about what the 70 weeks are all about. Look at verse number 25. Know therefore and understand that from the going forth of the commandment to restore and to build Jerusalem until the Messiah the Prince shall be seven weeks and three score and two weeks. So if you read that and what it says, The 70 weeks of years begins when the command to rebuild Jerusalem was given. Now, if you remember, who was king when he made the decree for the people to go back and to rebuild the temple? Cyrus was king. Cyrus gave the command, and you see there are some Bible verses there, 2 Chronicles 36 and Ezra chapter number 1. When the command was given... For Jerusalem to be rebuilt, that is when it started. So there are, and when we look at that, the clock began. The 70 weeks of years began. So the commencement of the count, number two, it talks about the coming of Christ. Now look at the middle of verse 25. It says, Know therefore and understand that from the going forth of the commandment to restore and to build Jerusalem until the Messiah the Prince shall be seven weeks and threescore and two years this is talking about Christ's coming Messiah the Prince so there are seven weeks of years and then there are 62 weeks of years which is a total of 483 years some of you that are math people you might like to see all that math in front of you but that's up to you if you like that or not now, I will give you something that I found, and there are many that back it up, but just think about it this way. You can trace Cyrus, king of Persia, his empire, in the time that he was ruling, and let's say, let's just say this, let's say that in 444 B.C., he said Jerusalem could be rebuilt. Let's just say 444 B.C. You take the Jewish calendar in those days did not go 365 days like our calendar does. It goes 360 days. That's how their calendar works. So you take that time and add that all up. And think about this. That would be 173,800 days. And it ends in the year... 33 A.D. If you were to put, you could go even further if you want to. If you were to put the week that Jesus, the Palm Sunday, before he died, which in that year would have been March 30th, 33 A.D., and you go back 483 years, it would be March 21st, 444 B.C. to the exact date. Cyrus was king during that time, and then you take that exact time, and that would have been when the Jews refused their king. God's timelines are amazing if you stop to think about it. And you could look deeper into that if you want to, but I don't think you need to. And remember, as Jesus, they refused him. He's not our king. They didn't want him. And we see, so we see the commencement of the count started when Israel started to be rebuilt. We see that the coming of Christ would happen 69 weeks into it. Then look what would happen, number three. The crucifixion on the cross. So look at what it says after you write that, the crucifixion on the cross. Look at verse number 26. And after three score and two two weeks... Shall the Messiah be cut off? So verse 26 tells us that this Messiah, that he would be rejected, he would be cut off. Talking about crucifixion. Isaiah 53, verse number 8. The Bible tells he was taken from prison, from judgment. And who shall declare his generation? Look at what it says. For he was cut off out of the land of the living, for the transgression of my people was he stricken. This means that he would die. Now look at verse 26 and keep reading here. Now, this was a long time before Jesus ever came. This was prophesied about here. So after three score and two weeks shall Messiah be cut off. Look what it says. But not for himself. So we see that this means so he'd be cut off. This means he would die. But he wouldn't die for himself. Why? Because he didn't die for his own sins. He died for my sins. And the Bible says in 2 Corinthians 5.21, For he hath made him to be sin for us who knew no sin, that we might be made the righteousness of God in him. So you see how the timeline is playing out in order as it goes through. We see that the time started when Israel was told they could go back and rebuild Jerusalem. You take 69 weeks of years till it was time for the Messiah, and he came and he was cut off. And we see that he would be cut off, and he would be cut off but not for himself, which is exactly what Jesus Christ did for us. And then we see, fourthly, we see the collapse of the city of Jerusalem. So it says, verse 26, And after three score and two weeks shall Messiah be cut off but not for himself, and the people of the prince that shall come shall destroy the city and the sanctuary and the end shall be with a flood, and unto the end of the war desolations are determined. So we see in verse number 26, we see the collapse of Jerusalem. Remember how Jesus said there when we were in Matthew? Now, uh, are you still with me? Are we still with me? You're like, okay, hopefully hopefully we're okay here. Remember how Jesus said not one stone would be left of the temple? That's because in the year 70 A.D., Um, Titus, the Roman general, would come in and destroy Jerusalem. Jesus was prophesying about that coming. But what we see is, we see that the city is going to be destroyed. The prince that shall come, the people of the prince, and destroy the city of the sanctuary. So we see that all the things that are in Daniel's prophecy are playing out through Scripture here. The clock started when the command was given to rebuild Jerusalem the clock continued and at 69 weeks of years the Messiah was here ready to become their king and they refused him the clock stopped we see the fourth thing that happened was the city would be destroyed and in 70 AD the city was destroyed just like the Bible says and then we see next we see number five we see the calling of the church in verse 26, at the end, there it says, "Unto the end, wars and desolations are determined." That's the literal re- re- reading right there, and this is an undeterminate period of time. God stops the clock. 69 weeks of years has gone by, and there's only one more week left. Seven years to go. Israel refused her king, her Messiah. What happened at that time is the church age was ushered in. And you see the gospel being spread all around the world. And today we are in the church age still. Which means those seven last years of Daniel's prophecy have not even begun yet. There's one week left, but that time hasn't come. And so you think about this, the Bible talks about today how the Jews are blinded to the things of God until the fulfillment of the Gentiles be complete, the Bible says. Today we live in the church age and praise God for the church age. Where would we be if there was no church age? If the Messiah just came for the Jews and no Gentiles, unless you're a Jew in the room, you'd be in some trouble tonight. But he came for all of us and then what will take place the next thing that will happen for us and something that's very clear I want you to go with me to Revelation for a second hold your place here and go to Revelation with me the book of Revelation chapter 2 and 3 are written to seven specific churches and I believe that all seven of those churches literally existed. I do not think that this was just to symbolize them and different things, but you will also see very clearly in those seven churches periods of time in our church, in church's history from the time of Christ. It is very easy to see today. If you look at the church today as a whole and Christianity in general, look with me in verse number 14 of chapter number 3. Bible says and unto the angel of the church of the Laodiceans write, These things saith the Amen, the faithful and the true witness, the beginning of the creation of God. I know thy works that thou art neither cold nor hot, and I work that thou work cold or hot. So then, because thou art lukewarm, and neither cold nor hot, I will spew thee out of my mouth. Because thou sayest I am rich and have increased with goods. And have need of nothing, and knowest not that thou art wretched and miserable and poor and blind and naked. I counsel thee to buy. You can just read of the apathy of the people in this time. In Christianity, that's where we are today. It's very clear. And the Bible talks about in verse number 19 And as many as I love, I rebuke and chasten. Be zealous, therefore, and repent. We love to use verse number 20 as a salvation verse. But it's not a salvation verse right here. Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If any man hear my voice and open the door, I will come in to him and will sup with him and he with me. He's talking to the church of Laodicea. I'm at the door, but no one wants me in. They have a form of godliness, but they're denying the power thereof. The Bible talks about that. And we see the end of the chapter. It says, To him that overcometh will I grant to sit with me in the throne even as I am also overcame and am set down with my Father in his throne. And he that hath an ear, let him hear what the Spirit saith of the churches. And then immediately, chapter 4, verse number 1, after this I looked, and behold, a door was opened in heaven, and the first voice which I heard was as it were of a trumpet talking, talking with me, which said, Come up hither, and I will show thee things hereafter. And the Bible says and immediately about John, he was in the Spirit. We see if you take the end of chapter 3 going to chapter number 4, the end of the church age, you see the rapture take place. That's what verse 1 and verse 2 are about right here. If you want more proof of the rapture, go with me to 1 Thessalonians chapter number 4. Next week I will give you in detail about the rapture. This I'm giving you an overview of things. So 1 Thessalonians chapter number 4. 1 Thessalonians chapter 4. We're still doing all right? We're still okay? All right. First Thessalonians 4. Look at verse number 16. For the Lord Himself shall descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of the archangel, and look what it says, and with the trump of God. And the dead in Christ shall rise first, then we which are alive and remain shall be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air, and so shall we ever be with the Lord. It's the rapture. Do you know something, though, that's interesting? The word rapture is not used one time in the Bible. Not found one time. You cannot find it in there. But we get the rapture from these verses that we've just read and from Revelation chapter number 4. So go back with me to Daniel chapter number 9, and we're going to finish things off, okay? So we're rounding the finish line right now. So we see, and I'm going to review it one more time, I've reviewed it several times because I'm trying to help it sink in just a little bit. The commencement of the count, the 70 weeks of years began when they were told they could go back and rebuild Jerusalem. The time from there till the time the Messiah would be cut off is 69 weeks of years, which means there's one week of years left to go. The Jews refused their king. He was cut off. He was crucified. Not because he did anything wrong, not for himself, but for us. The time stopped. The 69 weeks of years have stopped. The Bible talks about the end of verse 26 there as we read a minute ago. And under the end of the war, desolations are determined. There is an undetermined amount of time between the time the clock stops till the clock starts again. We live in that time right now. That time will start again, but that will not start again till the church is taken out of here. When the church is taken out of here, it gets us to point number six, we see the confirmation of the covenant. The Bible says there in verse number 27, and he shall confirm the covenant with many for one week. When we talk about he, we're talking about the Antichrist makes a seven-year treaty What happens is when the treaty is signed, when the Antichrist signs that treaty, the final seven years, the one week, begins. Till that time, the clock does not begin again. You and I that are saved, and I hope everyone in this room is saved, you're not going to know who the Antichrist is. We'll be gone. And there are those, well, we'll be here. We could be deceived. If the Spirit of God lives inside of us, how could we be deceived? There's a lot that could go into that and a lot more we could say, but we'll just stick real close to where we are here and finish things up. The Antichrist. And so the devil does everything he does to mimic God. That's why he does what he does. He does. He thinks and he wants to be the most high. Do you realize God has a trinity? God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. There's a satanic trinity too. The devil, the beast, and the false prophet. The beast even imitates a wound, a deadly wound, and rising again because he's imitating what Christ did. And the false prophet declares and speaks the truth, or what the so-called truth about the beast, what the Holy Spirit does for Jesus. It's a complete, the devil just tries to mimic he wants to be God, but he never will be. But this is what happens. So the confirmation we see, the Antichrist will set a treaty to protect Israel for seven years. Because didn't we just read earlier how the people were going to be persecuted in Jerusalem? That they were going to have a target on them. And the Antichrist promises to protect Israel for seven years. And Israel has never trusted anyone to protect her in its history. But they're going to with the Antichrist. He'll be deceptively loving, kind and wise, and such a gifted peacemaker. Maybe it's Donald Trump. No, no, no. People, uh, anyways, I go off on a rabbit trail there and I'm not going to. There will be a one world government during that time. The Antichrist will allow the Jews to rebuild their temple. Which will fit and the temple will be built right where it should be. There's going to be one more temple. The temple has to be in place for all these things to play out. And what's going to happen is the Jews are going to start their animal sacrificing again. You see, the reason why there's no sacrifice is because Jesus Christ paid it, but the Jews missed it. They're going to start their animal sacrificing again. And in the midst of the tribulation, three and a half years in, the Antichrist is going to come into the temple. And look what it says here. It says, He shall confirm the covenant with many for one week, and in the midst of the week he shall cause... He shall cause the sacrifice of the oblation to cease, and for the overspring of abomination he shall make it desolate, even until the consummation and that determined shall be poured upon the desolate. He'll enter into the temple, and he'll say, no more sacrificing any more animals. Get them out of here. Stop your sacrifices. You know why you can stop your sacrifices? Because I'm God that's what the antichrist is going to do in the temple this is the abomination of desolation that takes place daniel chapter 12 verse 11 daniel 11 verse 31 talk more about it look at what else the bible tells us go one last time to the book of second thessalonians for a second and we're rounding the finish line and i know you're thinking pastor you gave us a lot of stuff tonight well you need to go back, listen to my listen to the recording, and maybe you can get something that you missed. But 2 Thessalonians chapter number 2. And look down at verse number 4. But look at what it says there. 2 Thessalonians 2, verse number 4. Who opposeth and exalteth himself above all that is called God, or that is worshipped. So that he as God, that's talking about the Antichrist. But he as God sitteth in the temple of God, showing himself that he is God. That's talking about what the Antichrist is going to do and the abomination of desolation that takes place at the midpoint of the tribulation. So what we see will happen is, number seven and lastly, we'll see the completion of the count. At the end of those seven years, the 70 weeks are up and God's kingdom will come to earth. The prophetic clock will be done and Jesus will return, his second coming to earth. You see, in the rapture, he does not come to earth. We meet him in the air. During the seven years of tribulation, and when it's done, when the 70, years, 70 weeks of years have been finished and determined, he's going to come again. And he's going to come to conquer. And he'll be king of kings and lord of lords. And be set up for a thousand years. His millennial reign will happen at that time. The Jews will be given all that they were promised. And everything will end the way it's supposed to end. So why is all of this important? Because... In order for everything to be finished, in order for, as we've looked in here, in order, we already see, to finish the transgression, make an end of sin, Jesus Christ did that when he died on the cross. He's made reconciliation for our iniquity, but he's still got to bring in that everlasting righteousness, and the Bible's got to be finished. You know, it's written, it's finished. But the prophecies in it have to be finished up. And Jesus Christ has to be crowned King of kings and Lord of Lords. That's what has to happen. And how does it all happen? Well, when the Jews were told they could go be, rebuild Jerusalem, that clock began again. And for 69 weeks of years, that clock ran, and the Messiah was born in Bethlehem, lived a sinless life for 33 years, and instead of choosing Jesus Christ to be their king, they said, we don't choose him, we, Caesar's our king, crucify this guy. We have no king but Caesar. And what, remember what Jesus said? Weep for yourselves. They have no king but Caesar. The clock stopped. Jesus died on the cross. He rose again. And he ushered in the church age, which is what the book of Acts is all about. And it continues on to this day. And at some point, whenever the Lord's ready, the rapture is going to take place, which we'll look at next week. Some of the ideas that we have when it comes to the left behind movies that we've watched and things like that, the Bible does not completely agree with those left behind books, okay? There are some differences. And if someone's been given a clear plan of salvation here on earth, they will not all of a sudden, oh, wow, I, I see it's true. The Bible says they'll be given over a strong delusion. That's what the Bible says. But at some point, the rapture is going to happen. When that happens, the Antichrist will rise to power very quickly and he will give Israel seven year, he'll sign a seven-year treaty with them. He'll let them rebuild the temple. Things will look good for the Jews for a while. And things are, during the seven years of tribulation, it's all God's judgment. The first three and a half years, though, there will be a lot of things that happen, but the wrath of God is set down in the last half of the tribulation. So, seven years will be, the treaty will be signed, the temple will be built, The Antichrist will walk in halfway in the midst. And remember how what we read there in Matthew a little bit ago said? In the midst of it, watch out. Run for the hills. Be better that you didn't have kids. That's what the rest of Matthew 24 says. So when I say all of that, so the Antichrist will come into the temple and say, No more need to sacrifice. I'm God. The abomination of desolation takes place, God pours out his wrath here on earth. And when the 70 years, the weeks of years are accomplished, Jesus Christ will come again. And when he comes again, he'll throw Satan into the bottomless pit for 1,000 years. And when he throws Satan into that pit, he will rule and reign, and we will be with him for those 1,000 years here on earth. Satan will get freed one more time, and I still don't understand that one completely. And I still can't believe that Christ will be ruling here in in the millennial reign a thousand years and there will still be people who did not trust in him during that time. And we'll talk about the millennial reign of Christ another week. And after that is done, death and hell will be cast up and those that go into the lake of fire will be put in the lake of fire. Satan, the beast, the um, false prophet will all be there. And then everything that the book said will be complete. You kind of see why Daniel's prophecy was kind of important to the whole thing. And isn't it amazing that God could take Daniel, Daniel who was taken captive and had to leave his family, a young man that probably could have been a very bitter young man, yet he followed God, did what he should, you know, and he prayed when he sh- when others didn't pray. And look at what God allowed him to see, and what God used him to pen those words. And so tonight, the backbone of prophecy is Daniel's seventy weeks. And so if you missed something in there, come up to me after the service and I'll try and fill you in on anything that you might have missed. And the next week we will get to the rapture and go verse by verse about the rapture and things about that. So let's have a word of prayer. And then um, we'll go to the Lord in prayer for prayer requests right after that. Father, thank you for this evening. Thank you for your love for us. Thank you for being who you are. And thank you for being a God that fulfills his word. Thank you for your word and thank you that we can trust it and know that you are who you say you are. Bless our last few minutes together. We love you. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen.